Amen. Amen. Thank you for your prayers for those who are going to be leading our children, our teens, our students as they go back, uh, for praying for our students. Uh, we want to support and encourage all of those who are making impossible decisions and implementing uh, procedures that they never thought they would have to implement, uh, whether you're talking about school or uh, any other place right now as we navigate uh, these challenges. We thank you. Uh, we support you. We are with you. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called At the Table. And the big question that we are asking ourselves is how do we love the people who are closest to us best? I don't know about you, but unfortunately it's probably true for me that the people who sit at the table who are closest to me and my life often bear the brunt of the worst parts of me. Uh, the frustrations, the anger, uh, the, the shame, uh, the depression, the loneliness that might creep up at any moment. Often it's the people that are right there with me that bear the brunt of that. And when I get to the end of my life, there's going to be two important questions. Number one, what did God think of me? And number two, not what does the world think of me, but what do the people who knew me the best think of who I am and how I love? So how do we love the people at the table? One of the people that many of us sit with at the table is the person that we give our vows to, that person where I say, I do, I will, who we become uh, husband and wife with, the people that we're married to. Now, let me give a disclaimer. Uh, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here today, and as soon as I say the word marriage, you're checked out, uh, either because you're not yet married or you've made a decision that singleness is for you, or maybe you've come out of a really painful, difficult, uh, broken relationship, and you're bearing the scars of that. And I just want to encourage you, uh, if you are single by choice, uh, what we're going to talk about today, the principles, the truths, really relate to every relationship. If you're single and you're not uh, planning on being single for life and you're looking for that one, uh, I want to encourage you to uh, think about the principles, the truths here that you might become the person where you can have a winning marriage when it happens. If you're wrestling through marriage now, uh, this obviously applies to you. And if you're coming out of a broken relationship and you're bearing the pain of that, you're bearing the, the scars of that, uh, all that comes with that, I just want to encourage you that we serve a loving, merciful, powerful God who redeems, uh, who gives new life, uh, who can bring beauty out of ashes, and who knows what God is going to do next. And so I just want to encourage you with that. But let's look at what is it that God is looking for? What is it God has designed for us to get out of and bring into this special relationship called marriage? So let's go right into scripture. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 and let's see what we find. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. What exactly is God doing here in bringing man and woman together? What is this design and purpose for marriage? So we look at what is exactly that God did. He starts off in verse 18 and he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, if you don't have to be a Bible scholar. If you just look back in Genesis chapter 1, you see something significant. As God brings all of creation into being, five times God says that he sees it is good. Five times in the NIV, God saw that it was good. If you go on, God continues to create. He brings man into being. He breathes life into him. And then it says he saw that it was very good. Five times God saw that it was good. Then he sees that it's very good. But here we are in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. And God says it's not good for man to be alone. This should be jumping off the pages to us that God has created us not to be alone, but to be in relationship with others. So God has a plan. He's going to create someone to do life with Adam, to save him from his aloneness, to push him into his purpose. And so in the Hebrew, it says that God creates an azer konegdo, a perfect helper, even a perfect saver. God is going to bring the perfect complement to save Adam from being alone and push him into the mission for which God has created him. And so God is going to bring this, this person to Adam, but he does something before he brings woman. And it's almost funny. I mean, I want to encourage you to, to read the Bible and not just read the Bible to get through it, but read the Bible to, to wrestle with it and, and let it speak to you because often it'll make you cry. Uh, sometimes it'll surprise you. Sometimes it'll make you laugh. I mean, look at what God does. God is going to make the perfect compliment, but, but before he makes woman, this is what he does. It says he brings all the livestock and all the birds and all the wild animals to, to Adam, and then the understatement of all understatements, it says, but no suitable helper could be found. So here Adam is, and, and God brings these animals. So he brings a giraffe to Adam, and Adam names the giraffe, and Adam pauses for a minute, and he thinks, no, this, this isn't the one too tall. So God says, okay. And so God brings a lion to Adam, and Adam says, okay, this is a lion, but this isn't the one too ferocious. And so God says, okay. And God brings a hippo to Adam. And, God says, and Adam says, okay, this will be a hippo, but this isn't the one too angry. <laughs> now, why does God do this? Is God uncertain about what this perfect helper, this perfect saver, this azer connecto is going to be? Absolutely not. God knows exactly what he's about to do, the gift that he's about to bring. And he wants Adam to realize the gift as well. So God puts Adam to sleep. He takes a rib and from that rib he creates woman. Adam awakes and he just exclaims this, this shout of joy. Finally, at last, 
Here is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That God has created someone for me to be in relationship with, that she would be a gift to me, that I would be a gift to her, and that together we could live into this adventure for the mission and the purpose for which God has created us. So the question that all of us have to wrestle with is how do I receive a gift? How do I be that gift? And how do we push one another into our purpose in this relationship called marriage? So what I wanna do is I wanna lift up a couple of barriers that we face and then a couple of commitments that if you and I can make these commitments to one another, that perhaps we can position ourselves to be the gift, receive the gift and live into our purpose. So what are the barriers? So here God has created the garden. He's created all the animals, the night, the day, the sun, the moon, the stars, and finally brings Adam and Eve into his creation and everything is wonderful. They're joining their lives together. There's no shame. And then you and I know the very next chapter, the rails come off, right? They, everything falls apart. The serpent comes, deceives Eve. Adam is elbow to elbow with her. He falls, he does nothing about it. And immediately, they experienced three dangerous barriers in the relationship resulting directly from the fall of sin. And you and I are still wrestling with these three barriers, these three dangers that are devastating our relationships and particularly our marriages today. Here they are, three dangers, three barriers for us to watch out for. Fear, shame, and blame. Fear, shame, and blame. Adam and Eve, they fall to the serpent. They believe that there's something greater than what God has offered. They reach out and all of a sudden it says that Adam and Eve are afraid. They're afraid of one another. They're afraid of God. They find themselves uh, hiding from, from God's presence and he comes looking for them and he says, Adam, where are you? And, and in chapter three, God's, Adam says to God, I was afraid. Now, what is fear? How does it drive our lives? Fear is when we let the focus become more on the what ifs than the what is. How many of us in our relationships and especially in our marriages are more focused on the what ifs than the what already is? That what if I don't have enough? Or what if I'm abandoned? What if it all falls apart? What if something really bad happens? What if then? And we are so focused on that and so afraid of the pain that's going to come that we keep each other at arm's length. We keep God at arm's length, protecting ourselves from the pain, but unfortunately also protecting ourselves from any intimate connection that we might have. And God is encouraging us to not let the fear overwhelm. It's okay to be afraid, but don't become a victim to the fear of the what ifs. But it wasn't just fear, they also experienced shame. As soon as they fall, they reject God. It says that they cover themselves so that they may no longer be seen. How many of us are living that life of covering ourselves that we may not be seen? See, Adam and Eve's confusion is that they confuse what they did for who they were. And we do the very same thing. We, we fall into a sin. We make a bad choice. We hurt ourselves. We hurt somebody else. And we confuse that bad decision, that bad choice, that broken behavior for who we are. 
and we replace the decision with our identity and we are immediately filled with shame. I don't want anybody to see this in me. And so we hide, we cover ourselves from each other. And, and the, the, the temptation for us is rather than to be vulnerable is to put up a shield. And God would invite us that, what would it look like for us to take off the mask, to take down the shield, to allow ourselves to be seen once again? That what I did is not who I am, but I have a God who loves me, who tells me who I am, that I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter, so much so that God would send his son Jesus into the world, not because I deserved it, but because he loves me. Would I be able to, to open up and be vulnerable and wrestle with, with the weight of the shame. That I wouldn't perform to try to get some kind of favor. That I wouldn't try to manipulate to get what I want. But I would just simply be open and honest and vulnerable. This is who I am. So we have fear. We got shame. And finally we wrestle with blame. That immediately Adam and Eve filled with the weight of the responsibility of what they had done. And the pain of that and the heaviness of that. They deflect it. I don't want to hold it, and so I'm going to give it away. And so God comes to Adam. Adam, what did you do? And Adam's like, God, you and I were great. Like everything was going wonderful. It was you and me. We were in the garden. We were taking walks together. And you had this bright idea to make her. And then we know what happened. It's her fault. And so God turns to Eve. Well, what happened, Eve? Well, God, you know, it was me and you and Adam. Everything was great. And then along came this serpent. And just the serpent deceived me as the serpent's fault. And nobody was willing to say, I made a choice. I did something that hurt me. It hurt all of us. And I've got to take responsibility. Why? So that I can grow. So that I can receive grace and forgiveness. And so that I can receive healing and reconciliation. Until I'm willing to take responsibility for what I do, I can't fully receive the forgiveness, the healing, and the reconciliation that God wants to bring. So fear, shame, blame. What if we, were, we made the commitment that I will not be a victim to these things, I will not give in to these things, but leaning into the grace and the power and the mercy of God, listening to what He says about who I am and what He's called me to, that I will instead make a commitment to God and my spouse for a winning marriage. What if? How can we step into that winning marriage? Two commitments that we can make to one another. Here's the first is I want to make a commitment to leave and cleave. So go back to chapter 2. Look at verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That we leave where we were, and we cleave to one another so that we might become one. It's a commitment that I make to my spouse that the past will not control my future. Now there's two statements that we often make. Sometimes we make both, sometimes we make one or the other. Sometimes we say, you know what, I will always do what happened then. 
we grow up, we've got loving parents, we've got loving siblings, we've got great relationships, great friendships, happy childhood, all of our dreams are coming true. And we say, well, this is the formula for me. I've, I'm always going to do it that way. And then we get married and here's this person with a whole other life experience and they don't see life the way we see life. And what do we think? There's something wrong with you. And my job is to fix you so that you can see the life the way I see it, which is the right way. And we get ourselves in trouble letting the past control our future. Sometimes it's the opposite. We've got a painful past, a broken past, a past where we were hurt. And, and we've, we've got real wounds from that past. And we say, I will never I'll never do my life that way. I'll never do what they did. I'll never go into marriage that way. And it's ironic that so many times when we say never, those are the very things that we end up perpetuating into the future. Letting the past control my future. What if instead of saying I will always or I will never, we made a commitment to the one that we join our life with and say whatever was, is in the past, but moving forward, I'm with you. And together we wrestle prayerfully, honestly, vulnerable, wrestle with what do we see as value? What do we see as truth? What are our goals for our family together? What are we moving toward into the future? Regardless of what was, whether it was good or bad, what are we going to focus on together? We will cleave to one another moving into the future. It means we got to have real honest conversation. It means we got to be open and vulnerable. It means that we got to really listen to one another. And most of all, it means that I've got to be searching and working to understand you as you seek to understand me. Now, how do we do that? How do you have real understanding with another person? It only comes as we commit to be with that person and then our second commitment here, to listen and love. Listen and love. Genesis chapter two, verse 25. Look at it again. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In the Hebrew, that word naked, it means not just to be without clothes, but it literally means to be exposed in every way, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, every aspect of our lives, bared, open, vulnerable, known, and they had no shame. There was no performing, there was no hiding, there, no, there was no distancing, but they were truly known and one, and you and I can have that together as well. That sin may, may have made it harder, it may be a barrier for us, but thank God that, that he is, our God loves us and redeems us and gives us new life by the power of his spirit. And even though sin is in the world, that the one is, that is in us is greater than the one that is in the world and our relationships can be redeemed and we can have that oneness as well, but we gotta work at it. So how do we do that? How do we listen and love one another? One thing is we've got to listen to understand. I want to encourage you, listen to understand. It means that I don't just hear information, but I hear your heart. That I don't hear just what you're saying, the data, but I, I'm connecting with you as a person. What are you feeling? What, what are you thinking? What are you going through? What are you experiencing? What are your hopes, your fears, your dreams, your struggles? 
And in order to listen to understand, it means that we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to make time for it. Right? How much of the time when we come to the table, the person that should be most important to us gets our leftovers? What if we made a commitment to one another that you get the best of me? You, you get the very best of my time. It means that we got to plan for space. How many of the important conversations do we have to try to have with all kinds of things going on around us? What would it look like for us to carve out a safe space to connect with one another? It means that we commit to give the best of ourselves, that you don't get me when I'm tired or frustrated or I'm, I'm wrestling with something, but I will be focused on you. I'm going to listen so that I can understand who you are, what you're going through, what you're experiencing. Listen to understand. I think it also means that I will be, make a commitment to my spouse to say, I'm going to love you as you are, not as you should be. An unconditional love. And, and why can I do that? Because that's what God says to me. Every single one of us, God is speaking to you today saying, I love you as you are, not as you should be. That I can love without conditions. That I can live a life where I'm committed to love you no matter what, and I'm committed to not manipulate. Now, most of us would raise your hand and be like, oh, I don't manipulate. Well, think about this. Manipulation is just saying, you know what? I will give to you favor or withhold it based on what I get back. How many of us would be guilty? Right? I would. What if we made a commitment to say, you know what, I'm not going to manipulate, but I'm just going to love you no matter what. Because when I manipulate, the best case scenario is that I'll get what I want, but not the desired relationship. And so I'm going to love you no matter what, because God loves me no matter what. I'm going to love you as you are. And then finally, how do we listen and love? As we say to one another, I'm committed to allow myself to be loved. I'm going to allow myself to be loved. I'm going to be willing to receive love, which means I've got to surrender to love, which means I have to take a risk to make myself open to love. That I'm going to take the very real risk, and it's scary, to share my heart with you, to say, here's what I'm wrestling with, here's what I'm afraid of, here's what I'm dreaming about, Here, here's where I'm insecure, here's where I've messed up, here's why I need support, here's what's keeping me up at night. And I'm going to take the risk to share this with another person, not knowing what I'm going to get back. And here's the key. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this. The reason that I can take that risk, that I can open myself to love and surrender myself to love that I might know love is not because this person at the table with me is so great, but because my God is so great. Many of us have so distanced ourselves from receiving love that we no longer know what it looks like to give love. And the reason that we haven't received love is because we don't feel safe. And we will not allow ourselves to be vulnerable when we, don't make, uh, when we don't feel safe. And here's the greatest truth of all is that with God, you are safe. With God, you matter. That the greatest truth is that before I deserved it or earned it or even knew I needed it, God came after me. He pursued me. He sent his son Jesus that, that I might know love and I might have a pathway to receive love and experience love. If you are here or you're watching online and you're still looking for that one, I want you to understand 
that before you can find the one in this life, you need to find the one who loves you more than any other will ever love you. There will never be the one, ladies, who will make you a woman or guys who will make you a man. There will never be the one who will make you everything you ever wanted to be. Why would we ever put that pressure on another broken human being? But to put it in the right place and say, there's a God who loves me, who's made me, who he wants me to be, who saves me, redeems me, forgives me, pours his grace out on me. And I'm not gonna go to another person and try to draw something from them that they weren't designed to give, but I'm gonna draw from the God who made me so that I can give it away. Or maybe you're here and you're, you're with that person that you've made a commitment to and you're wrestling with that and you're struggling with that and you're thinking, I can't make it through another day of loving this person. They're driving me insane. They're broken. And how am I gonna do this? I wanna remind you that you give what you receive. The strength, the character, the resolve, the perseverance does not come from him or her, it comes from the God who's chasing after you. And you can give that unconditional love if you receive it. Or maybe you're here and the hard truth is that you're in a very broken place. You're broken because that dream didn't come true. That relationship didn't work out. The I do's may be turned into I don't. And you just got all these pieces. If you're in that place, there's a God who takes the pieces and he puts them together into something more beautiful. He makes beauty from ashes. He's a God who redeems. He's a God who forgives. He's a God who sets free from bondage and pain. And you have a hope and a future in the love of Jesus Christ. Even if your hope and your future in this person didn't work out, you still got a hope and a future in the God who loves you. And you don't have to give up. You can keep moving forward knowing that God has great things for your life today and for forever. So whatever position we're in, the answer is not to try harder or to control or to fix me. The answer is I'm gonna to surrender to the love that does not change, the love that does not end, the love that's not dependent on me, but it precedes me and comes after me and is with me. So if you'll stand, we're gonna close one more song. And I really don't know where you're at in, in life as we gather today, as we watch online, but God does. God wants to encourage you. God wants to convict you. God wants to strengthen you, but only, we can only experience that if we'll surrender it to him. And so we've got altars here, or you've got a seat there, or you, maybe you've got a chair or a couch in your home you're watching right now that we can bow before the God of creation, the God who saves us, the God who redeems and say, Lord, I just need you. I need you, Lord, to be the man that that woman is looking for, the woman that that man is looking for. God, I need you to make me the husband or the wife that you want me to be. God, I need you to help me carry on because I don't have the strength to carry on right now because it's all falling apart. 
God, I need you. Let him minister to you. Let him show up right wherever you are. Receive the love that he wants to give. So I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna sing. We're gonna sing about this wonderful name of Jesus that sets us free, that ministers to us, that heals us if we'll receive it. Will you receive it? Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for ministering, reaching out to us. Thank you for knowing our circumstances, Lord. I just want to simply pray that wherever we are, you will meet us, confront us, heal us, redeem us, and give us hope. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.